Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by ESPN Bet. Fred, right. Yes, yes. Great job, man. You look, yeah. Oh, well, that's a great greeting. You're so professional. You. Hope you guys got that on camera. Make sure we bleep that out, too. Kansas. No, actually, no bleeps. I want that direct. Sorry, Richard, we couldn't give it to you direct, but at least LeBron is saying what sometimes all of us wish <laughs> that we could say what? to you. No, we don't, Richard. Not you know what? It's so good to have a professional on this stage. You and, and, and Wendy, oh, I appreciate my you goodness. Guys. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by ESPN Bet. He is the self-appointed director of ambiance at the in-season tournament. <laughs> Richard Jefferson, J.J. Redick is joining us today, along with Brian Windhorst and the legend, the Hall of Famer, Michael Wilbon. And speaking of legends, I mean, the NBA took center stage here in Vegas for the in-season tournament semifinals. And LeBron James, he dominated in the main event. So we're going to show you exactly what went down here, Richard. Remember the Pelicans and the Lakers in the in-season tournament semifinals here, LeBron James, his ritual powder toss. Um, and then he started to heat up from three. Look, it was so impressive over the course of this game. Four for four from the uh, three-point line, eight for eight from the free throw line. And when he's knocking down deep threes, and look, as a former teammate of his and opponent, it's a it, it's a very very interesting night because the energy just starts going everywhere. You see him knocking down that deep deep three to start the second quarter. When that gets going, your entire team the energy gets going, and I'm telling you, the Lakers just fed off of that all night long. At this point, 11 straight points for LeBron James and the Lakers, and then a few possessions later here, LeBron watch him here drives, gets the and one to go. LeBron just in that scorer mode, Rich. Yeah, it, look, I know we had that 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 uh, kind of marquee on on Zion. There was just an energy. There was just a pace that these guys were playing with. And look, the New Orleans Pelicans, they learned a whole lot last night. He took his charge on Zion and was asked about why he's taking charges so, in December. And I guess you could say that. Um, <laughs> I mean, listen, man, not for that 500, I ain't. <laughs> So he's cool with, with taking charges in December as long as there's a little money on the line, Rich. Yeah, oh, I'm down. I told T. Lou I only take charges in the fourth quarter and in playoffs. But LeBron <laughs> James, look, it's a little different. This is a playoff game. This is a game seven, and we know how he shows up in game seven. LeBron finished with 35 rebounds, eight assists in this one. Davis, he finished with 16 points and 15 rebounds. The Lakers roll. They win 133-89. to Here's LeBron James after the game. It's still December, so I'm not getting too crazy about the whole thing. I understand this is this thing has been great in season tournament, but it's still December, you know. So, uh, but it is another game for us to get better, and we want to we want to try to you know win the game. You're running out of ways to describe what LeBron James does out there and, and means to this team, and I guess bigger picture to this game. Um, you know me, I'm a simple guy, man. So I just stick to one word: extraordinary, otherworldly. That's two. I know. I know Dan. 
a one of one. Well, LeBron, he played his fewest minutes by any player in a 35-5 and game since minutes were first tracked in 51-52. It's also the fewest minutes LeBron has played in any 30-point game in his career. So you know that when the stakes are high and LeBron James is on the floor, you can count on a vintage performance here, Brian. But what did you see about his mindset and buy-in to this game? First off, he was flicking off Richard at about <laughs> 3.15 in the afternoon. First bus in December, okay? He came with an all-business mentality. And not only did that set the tone for the Lakers, it was kind of a gift to the NBA because he wanted to make this clear. He cares about this tournament. He wants to win this. He set the tone right from the start, the way he attacked this game. And I'm going to tell you something else. You want to compare LeBron to other players in NBA history? Go find somebody who's better in a winner-take-all game. Eight. Eight straight times in his career, game sevens, in-season tournament, play-in tournament, eight straight times his team's been in a, in a, a winner-take-all game, eight straight times they've won it. Richard, you have a ring, I believe, that was involved in one of those games. That he wore on the red carpet. That is, that is who LeBron James is. And by, by sending the message to his teammates and the rest of the league that this is something that you want to win, it's something he wants on his resume, it's, a, it's like a, 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 a total message to everybody that this is something that's important. Will. That's what this is about, Will. I'm not putting I'm not putting all those other games with this. LeBron's perspective is always the right perspective. And he said, it's December. Let's not get carried away. I'm not going to get carried away comparing this. And it's not even the tournament. He wants his name to be the first one on that trophy. It's that simple. He wants the most overly discussed and overhyped notion in sports is legacy. It's talked about far too much. It's usually irrelevant. It doesn't matter as much as we talk about it. This matters. It clearly matters to him. This result, not the tournament, that and having his name on it, and that's going to last forever to be the first one on it. To me, that's what matters to LeBron. It was amazing. It's amazing watching him do that. And, and, and like another great player, and I'm the old person on set, so we're not going to start that argument. <laughs> They, they created, I watched Michael Jordan's whole career. He created reasons out of thin air to want to be great on a given night yeah. or against a given opponent. LeBron does that exact same thing. Kobe did it. Larry Bird did it. LeBron does that. And when you are like that or Tom Brady and you are the best of what you do in your time at the very least, your will, you can just say, that's it. You guys are going to follow me and we're going to get this done. And that's what this is about, not the tournament. He made a joke about the money. It's not about the money. It's about having his name on that piece of hardware first. I think what stood out for me is something Richard just said, which was energy. Mm. And being in the building last night, LeBron James was the most energetic person on the floor. Soon to be 39-year-old. You compare that to the young guys for the Pelicans. I was disappointed in that. I'm sure we'll get to that in a second. We will. But what is so impressive to me right now about LeBron, and RJ, you know this from having a long NBA career, you get towards the tail end. You're physically not the same as you were in your 20s. There's a tendency to let go of the rope. If we're having a tug of war with father time, there's a tendency to let go of the rope. Yep. And what LeBron James is doing right now, he's gripping that rope even tighter. He's digging his heels even, even further. And that speaks to his competitive stamina, his love of the game, his pride in his craft, all of those things. That's what stands out to me. It, it, to me, it, it's just... It's so impressive when you kind of look at, even when you look at those numbers, he averaged 25.0 yeah. 
multiple years. For people that follow kind of the basketball stats, he's averaged 25.0 or more. That's not 24.9. So to me, that tells me that, look, every single thing that this man is paying attention to, he makes sure he has his 25. He makes sure that him and his teammates are locked in. And when they get into an impressive situation, he leads by example. That is the ultimate thing that you can ever ask for a great player, a great teammate, someone that's going to go out there and lead by example. If the 39-year-old's out there sprinting back on defense, communicating, getting back on offense, sharing the ball, then everyone else must fall in line. And since the dawn of time, LeBron James and his teammates have always fallen in line to what he was trying to accomplish, and that's winning basketball games and winning trophies just like that one. And it's very clear the buy-in from him has trickled down through this entire team, and it yielded that performance that we saw. But, JJ, you mentioned Zion and the Pelicans. I do want to get to that side of all of this because LeBron James, he's more than 15 years, right, older than Zion, but he didn't play like it last night. He outscored Williamson 30-13, to and the Lakers outscored the Pelicans by 25 when both players were on the floor together, contributing to the worst plus-minus of Zion's career. So here is Williamson after the loss. I got to be better. I got to be more aggressive, finding my shot. Uh, I got to do more things, get my team going. Uh, I think I was too laid back tonight, and I uh, just I can't do that. And defensively, I got to be better. So, JJ, you played with Zion Williamson, and, and Mr. Wilbon, you said that this was the most important game of his career last night. He hasn't played in a playoff game. This is the big one, the stakes, and he fell significantly short, I think, of what everyone's expectations were. Um, but when you look at him and his performance, what did you make of it last night? I was disappointed, and and overall, I've been I've been disappointed in Zion this season. And and look, we can certainly point to counting stats and say he's having a fine season. Um, but you can be in the building, you can watch on TV, you can be courtside, and you can see he's not in shape. He's still not in shape despite yeah. everything that he's gone through, despite numerous conversations with legends of the game about being in shape. He gets called out on national television once or twice a year for. Uh, for, uh, for this thing, this very thing. And earlier this season, he had a press conference where he was talking about trying to buy into what the team wanted. And the reality is Zion Williamson has not bought into his own career yet. And that is disappointing because as someone who is a fan of his, a former teammate, uh, a fellow Duke guy, I know, we all know how great he can be. Yes. We've seen those flashes of greatness, but to do that for an extended period of time, to reach his full potential, and really, RJ, that's all we can ask for as players, to reach your, whatever your potential is to reach that, he's never going to get there if he doesn't buy into his own career. Well, and, and when he had that press conference, or not press conference, when it was the media a couple of months ago at the start of the season, yeah. and he was just like, Talking hey, about his I'm trying to, yeah. I'm gonna, when he was saying, like, I'm just trying to buy in and blah, blah, yep. blah. I want Zion Williamson to ask himself this question. Should anybody buy into him? Right? Outside of stats and numbers, should if you're looking at this and you're like, well, hey, buy, if you don't buy into yourself. Well, if you don't buy into yourself, but some of it, you know, again, I don't know if he has said those words or that, those are just the words that we are viewing. I'm viewing it from a standpoint of like, Zion, should we give you this contract? Should we buy into you? Should we build around you? Zion, tell me why we should build around you as a player and around this organization. Because I want to ask you and JJ this. I hear him say, mm-hmm. trying to buy in. Is, buy, is buying in, do you need to try? Try to do that. There is no Isn't try. Isn't that something when you're the best player and the most important player on your team? 
buy-in is what you should be making everybody else You should do. be everybody, making everybody else buy-in. And it's not even just the system. When he says those words, JJ, my thing is like, if, if that player was sitting across from me, I'd be like, why on earth should I buy into you, let alone you talking about buying into this? To answer your question, first he has to buy into himself because he can't get buy-in from his teammates mm-hmm. unless he's leading by example. And you think about the juxtaposition of last night where you have LeBron James in year 21 looking as in good a shape as he's been in his career, yep. flying around the court, taking three charges in the first half, and then you see Zion playing a low-energy game, looking out of shape, not being aggressive. Like, to me, you're not going to get buy-in from your teammates. You're not going to be able to lead and truly be the best player on a a championship-level team unless you're doing it first yourself. This was a wet noodle performance by the entire Pelicans team. Mm. You know, I I was mostly disappointed with them in the third quarter. They're down by 13 and a half. Okay, LeBron hit a bunch of long threes. He's hitting 27-footers. Okay, you're going to be behind. You come out in an elimination game in the second half and get blown out in the first two minutes in a vital moment in your season, quite frankly. And the the long-term project that the Pelicans are working on here is that Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson are both sort of laid-back personalities. Sure. They're inherently built that way. They are the two leaders of the team. It's been something they're trying to work on all year is getting them together, getting them to inspire each other, getting them to work together. And they've actually made some progress. But this was a huge test point. And instead, the two of them had arguably their worst game together as teams. Teammates, that is not a positive step. Well, and I think it's important to underscore what JJ said, that even though we're talking about this being the second fewest points he's had over a two-game span in his career, we're doing that from a place of rooting for him, rooting for the game. And he is such a significant part of the future of what we all believe the NBA, the direction it's going, and the youth movement there. He has the potential to get there. It's just that when you're, you know, in your four, when you're this far along and you're still sort of waiting for that, the questions start to arise of if that day will ever come. And that's sort of where we're discussing here. Um, We're going to get into this more a little bit later on NBA Today coming up on our show live from the entertainment capital of the world, Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, my goodness, he was the main attraction in the city that has no shortage of excitement. Is he a top five player in the game today? And with the Pacers advancing, do the Bucks have a long-term issue that could affect their chances at a title? Giannis and Dane hear from them. Plus, is the Golden State ship sinking or will Stephen come? be able to write the ship before it's too late. Bob Myers, he's here with some thoughts. NBA Today, live from Vegas, back after this. What does he know? Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. 
That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. NBA Today is presented by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. It don't matter who believes in us, as long as the guys in the locker room do. And we got all the trust in the world in ourselves. Halliburton off the bounds, drives inside, layup is good! Sensational move from Tyrese Halliburton! Well, I just want to prove that it's not a fluke. We can do this every night. Halliburton tries another three. Bang! Tyrese Halliburton from downtown! I know what time it is. It's our time. It's our time as a group. We're playing the right way. We're shocking the world right now. We're going to continue to do that. You sort of just have to laugh at this at this point because it's ridiculous. Halliburton, he recorded his third game with at least 25 points, 15 assists, and zero turnovers this season. That was on Thursday afternoon. No other player has put up more than one game with that stat line in their entire career since turnovers started being tracked in the late 70s. And with that, we say hello to Adrian Wojnarowski because if you've been paying attention to Indiana basketball this season, you maybe saw this night coming for Halliburton and the Pacers. But it felt like last night was truly a coming out party in front of the entire yeah. NBA and basketball world. Woj, what message did this send to the rest of the league? Look, and, and Tyrese Halliburton said this to me on the eve of this Final Four, which is, I am trying to tell players in this league, you'll want to come play with me. I'm going to get you the ball. I'm going to make it easy for you. And we are going to win. And what he is doing for this Indiana organization now is allowing their president, Kevin Pritchard, to, to, to be able to try to go find his Robin. When they traded for him, they weren't quite sure whether they had this was a Batman or a Robin. This is a Batman <laughs> in the NBA. And what in, in a league where you're always measuring, especially in a small market, risk versus reward. Yeah. For Indiana now, and they've been aggressive in trying to trade for that big athletic two-way wing player that they need uh, to build out this roster. And if that's OG Ananobi, if that's Pascal Siakam in Toronto, those kinds of players, as they become available in trade talks, as the Pacers, you know that we are willing to risk uh, giving up picks and assets because we believe we will be able to re-sign that player, that we're not going to lose them in free agency. And that's vital for an organization like Indiana because you can't always take great risks in places that are not free agent destinations. And what Tyrese Halliburton is determined to do is make Indiana a place where they can get great players and then keep them. And right now you look around the league and players talk and and they see a player like who would not want to play with Tyrese Halliburton right now. And that is transcendent for a market and an organization like Indiana. Wouldn't you? Well, Woj, actually, Austin Rivers and I today on First Take, we were talking about this very topic. And we were saying, if we were players in the league right now, and granted, Austin and I were role players. I'll admit that. (laughs) But if we were players in the league right now, and we took a landscape right now, who would we want to play with in the NBA? It's two guys. It's Nikola Jokic and Tyrese Halliburton. Hmm. And, And part of it is because Tyrese Halliburton is one of the three or four best offensive players in the world. And let's take a look at the tape here to show you why. And it starts with pace. Tyrese Halliburton and the Pacers are always looking to push in transition. He's got his head up, incredible vision, finds Obi Toppin at a key point in the game here. He's number one in the NBA in transition assists. Here in the half court, gets the matchup he wants with Brooke Lopez, takes him off the dribble. He's the number one most efficient player 
in drives and isolations. And of course, elite pick and roll player. He's unlocked a lot with this step back three. He is number one in the NBA in efficiency, shooting off the dribble and playing out of pick and rolls. How many guys in NBA history have that skill set? He is the best in the NBA right now at all of that. Okay, the Lakers are about to start practice behind us. Yeah. There's going to be one thing at the top of their scouting report. Get back. <laughs> they have got to get back. Tyrese Halliburton is like the ocean. If you turn your back, he will kill you. You know, the Pacers had a very poor three-point shooting game. This is very unusual. They will win a game like they did last night. The reason they got those extra points was because they beat the Bucks back over and over, even when they had the Bucks made baskets. Tyrese Halliburton is always looking to throw it ahead. His teammates know it. He will kill you in transition. And if you are not know Tyrese Halliburton's game, NBA, an NBA fan world, Get ready to learn it. And this is one of the big adjustments that have got to be made against him. One, I went into last night, and I said this on NBA Countdown. Tyrese Halliburton is a humble star. Every time you talk to him, it's not just about him. It's about the team. It's about doing it for the group. However, there was one moment last night that I'm not sure I could continue to use the word humble. It's when he hit that three, <laughs> and then he hit the Dame Time celebration. Everybody remembers that. That might have been one of the best yeah. parts of, of the nights, in, in my opinion. Shout out to Dame, by the way, for taking it the way you I thought he handled that very well. Let's hear exactly how Dame handled it. I learned as a as a kid, you know, when you dish it out, you got to be willing to take it. And for as many times as I've done it to people, you know, I can't be upset when um, somebody else does it. You know what I mean? I think that's also um, a sign of respect and acknowledgement for, you know, knowing my history and knowing what I do. I respected it. You know, I didn't think we shook hands after the game and I... I wasn't moved by it left or right. Nobody's going to give you nothing. Like, sometimes I feel like we expect just because we have great players out there that Tyrese Halliburton or Miles Turner or Nay Smith or Buddy Hill would just give us the game. Like, no, we have, to, mm. we have to be better. We have to go out there and take it. I feel like their bench kicked out of butts. It's simple. You know, I, watched the, I saw the stat sheet. I usually don't look at the stat sheet, but... Uh, look at the stash, they, they were way better than us. So defense has been the Bucks' identity really over this championship window, but they're giving up almost 119 points per game this season on pace to be the most in a season in franchise history. So obviously the defense is nowhere close to where we've grown accustomed no. to it being, Wilbon, but do you think that it's that cut and dry, that's the issue for the Milwaukee Bucks here? It's a big part of the issue, but to me there's an issue within that, and it's Chris Middleton. I mean, Damon and Giannis is great. We can talk about the two-man game and how they play with each other. And it was interesting talking to Damon the other night about the process they're in. But Chris Middleton, and I think it's injuries. I don't think he forgot how to play. Chris Middleton during the championship season averaged 20.4 points per game. He is down to 12.4 now. He's down 11 minutes per game, down to 22 minutes. And, and Richard was reminding me of this before we went on air, he was a plus defensive player. Maybe a B-minus defensive player. And that's a big part of that identity that Milwaukee had. He is now a guy that is likely to be hunted because he's not physically the same player that we got used to seeing. And he was a three-time All-Star twice before and once after the championship season. He's not that player anymore. To me, as it, let's say, that, let's say that, that, that Giannis and Dame have – a-minus seasons. Okay. That's not going to be good enough in Milwaukee. Without Chris Middleton or some replacement, and I, you, you hate seeing this happen, but that's the reality. 
on the Middleton point, uh, he he has been on a minutes restriction, right? Because you know coming back Come from offseason right. surgery, right. I think in stretches he's been good. Towards the end of last season when he was off his minutes restrictions, I thought he had a really good stretch. But you're right, he's key. For me, the the key to whether the Milwaukee Bucks are a real championship level team or not, it comes down to the defensive side of the ball. This has been a top five defense for a number of years. And I always assume there might be some growing pains bringing in a rookie head coach. He, Adrian Griffin has already shown a willingness to mix up different de- defensive coverages. He's got Brooke Lopez back in a drop, but the real issue is they don't really have a point of attack defender because they traded Drew Holiday. And of course the trade-off to that is they're better in the clutch. Uh, you know, going into last night, they were nine and two in clutch games that Dame played. So yep. Dame time has been there, but they just haven't been there defensively. Well, and the thing is, too, sometimes some folks would wonder, okay, well, should they be in as many clutch games, clutch situations as they have been against the level of opponent that they we, we've seen this season? Yeah. So in all honesty, like they have gotten what they wanted from Dame. Their fourth quarter offense is one of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. They've done a little bit of smoke and mirrors because their schedule has been favorable so far, and they've sort of squeaked out some wins because Dame has been so good. They've bought themselves a little bit of a margin for error. So they definitely are not the defensive team they need to be, and Chris Milton's where he needs to be. But let's just point out that we are early in the season, and this is going to be a six-month project for them. And this is a team where their improvement largely, maybe almost entirely, is going to have to come from within. They're not in position to go out and say at the trade deadline, bring in an impact role player that the whole league is pursuing. They don't have the assets. They have done a remarkable job of building a roster around Giannis Antetokounmpo, keeping him there, but at the cost to be a contender, and Brian has said this, to be a contender as long as they have, you pay a price with with the draft picks you have, the young players you have available to put in trades. So their improvement, you're going to have to see it from within. There's not anybody at the trade deadline coming in like you've seen in recent years in Milwaukee. They don't have the assets. Now. Right. And at the end of the day, we still are talking about a Milwaukee team that is second in the Eastern yeah. Conference right now. The, yeah. the reason that we're talking about them through this lens, right, is because the expectations are so high. And what we've seen from teams like the Boston Celtics, like the Philadelphia 76ers, even the Indiana Pacers sort of knocking and saying, hey, we're here too. That's the measuring stick that they're being measured up against. And certainly they have some time to sort of work on that Rubik's Cube a little bit. Still to come here on NBA Today, though, how much trouble are the Dubs going to be in if they don't figure things out and figure things out quickly? Bob Myers, he has some thoughts on his former team. And, well, this is fun. Coming up on NBA Today, we're going to have a little Papa Shot championship with these two. Who you got? It's going to be me. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I listen to what Jim Valvano said 21 years ago. I now have a responsibility to also not ever give up. I'm not special. I just listened to what the man said. I listened to all that he said, everything that he asked of us, and that's to build the V Foundation. The V Foundation's Stuart Scott Cancer Research Fund honors Stuart's legacy by awarding grants to scientists who are addressing racial disparities in cancer outcomes and providing opportunities to researchers from diverse backgrounds. ESPN and the V Foundation are proud to support this fund in Stuart's honor. You can support by visiting v.org slash Stuart. NBA Today is live from Las Vegas. The in-season tournament, it really is everywhere you look. We are outside the site of last night's semifinals, and since the championship game is still one day away, we decided to make up a little competition of our own. We are here at the first ever in-season tournament Papa Shot Championships. I'm here with one of the best shooters in NBA history, Mr. J.J. Redick and, and Richard Jefferson. Don't, so throw gentlemen. Don't throw shade on RJ, though. He was 174th all-time in three-point percentage. And that is a very commendable accolade to bring up. I appreciate you, J.J. Are you all ready? I am. Okay. I am. Go to your marks, please, gentlemen. Okay. JJ, that's crazy. 174? Yeah. That's almost the amount of total Are career earnings I have. In three, two, one. Richard, that was totally before the one. Where are we going? Right here? Two. Are oh, you going with the bank shot? Oh, oh, no. Oh, JJ, I have faith in you. There it is. Oh, no. There. Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> okay, bank. There it is. Holy. <laughs> How Are tall you going to take your bracelets off? No. Okay. I can't make a shot here. Give me that. Let's go. The champion of the first ever Papa Shot Tournament. How does it feel, JJ Redick? Anytime I get to beat Richard in anything, it feels great. I'm going to be honest with you. Nothing well, brings me more satisfaction. Don't uh, worry. We're cooking up We're cooking up some steaks for you all that we're going to reveal a little bit later on the, right. next, on the next segment. Right. Well, technically, we don't agree to it pre- Oh, no, JJ and I agreed to it. Oh, <laughs> I, you were late. America, I you think they late. greatly underestimate the way I will handle these things. <laughs> do we? Do we greatly underestimate it? Because... Uh, we see, these are the results at the Papa Shot Championship. Yeah. We promised nine. that there would Ugh. be stakes. Yeah. JJ and I had agreed on what those stakes would be. Were they? So as we come back to set here, JJ and I have a gift for you. Yeah, if you would love to proudly rock, please, this Duke shirt for the rest of the segment. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh I would my never, goodness. Uh, it's the brotherhood. I would ne brotherhood of yeah, that's what? the brotherhood, the Duke brother. You no, no, it is, that. but this is what I'm saying. Considering, you know, JJ, you've never won anything before in your career, so I brought you this Arizona hat, right? You know, it's just a little something. Uh, I also got something for you. You were yeah. supposed to be <laughs> Yeah, here. thank you. I got you this Cavs jersey. jersey yeah. You know, 23. We were Ooh. going for 16, but the that, that jersey yeah, wasn't still there, but yeah. I just want to tell you how, yeah. 
<laughs> that Don't seems... be bitter about the 2001 National Championship. Don't I, be bitter I'm, about I'm it. I'm not bitter, JJ. Bitter I'm, I'm, there's hatred. It's not bitterness. <laughs> this there's seems like the perfect time to welcome to NBA Today for the very first time. See, this is how we do it. Bob Myers, the architect of the four-time champion Golden State Warriors, potentially would have been more, except um, we got this guy here. Uh, we have spent the majority of our show here talking about the in-season tournament, Bob, but there is one game on tonight's schedule that I do want to highlight while we have you here. The Warriors, they're in OKC to take Ooh. on the Thunder in a rematch, one of the best games of the group play stage in this tournament. Remember the dubs, they were victorious back in that overtime thriller. That was on November 3rd for their fifth straight win at the time. But Golden State has yet to get, they haven't gotten consecutive wins in the 15 games since. And Bob, you caught some flack on yesterday's NBA countdown inside the NBA crossover. I want to give you credit for jumping off the Titanic before it sunk. Oh, oh. No comment. I'm staying away. I'm staying No, 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 no. I have friends over shot there. I have friends over there. Yeah, you're going to see them soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That's, that's not nice. That's not nice at all. It's accurate, but not nice. No, no, that's no, the no, thing. No, no. Titanic is, that guy's been harsh on the Warriors for 10 years. Well, yes. let's set the record straight then, yeah. Bob, because yeah. you said yesterday that there is a ton of continuity, right, with the same group. But the fact of the matter is, we just haven't seen that same group play at the level that we've grown accustomed to. What do you think that that means? Well, actually, I thought this segment was going to be everything's fine with the Warriors. <laughs> yep. Nothing to see. Yeah. And now you spring this on me. Mm. You put me in a bad spot. Yeah. You know, I do have friends over there. Yeah. I do. Dunleavy. JJ and I, we're friends with these people. Who? Um, look, yeah. Michael Dunleavy. Yeah, yeah you know Michael Dunleavy. You know him. He's part of the brotherhood. You know him well. Um, look, not great, right? Not great. Offensive efficiency, 15th in the league. Defensive efficiency, 16th in that rating, 70. That screams mediocrity, right? That's not what you want to be in the NBA. Um, they have the guys, but they're not doing it. So we can talk about what it could be, but right now we're talking about what it is, and it's a 500 team with a big payroll, but they do have one of the best players in the NBA. So that's why we're talking about him. Um, one of the best players ever. The problem now is what used to work isn't working anymore, right? And that's what Steve Kerr, he said it. He said, look, I've tried for 20 games with this lineup, and you mentioned it before, JJ, what used to be a great net rating, what used to be a great starting group, it just isn't anymore. And you could say, well, is that Clay, is that Wiggins, whatever it might be. At this point, it may not matter what it is. The first step to fixing something is saying it's not working. Okay, so I think they're there, right? But that's, that's not an easy step for a team that has had such success and a coaching staff that has had such success. So this isn't right. So now what do you do, right? And then the easy thing is trade this guy, that guy. That's not going to happen right now. You're not going to see a big trade in the NBA in December. I mean, it's very, very rare. So Steve yeah, it Kerr, never happens. it doesn't happen. So Steve Kerr is going to say, what am I going to do with my lineups, right? How am I going to change my lineups? You talked about changing the starting lineup. Is the starting lineup working? Is the finishing lineup working? Is the second unit working? Right now, they don't know. So, Bob, is it solvable with what is on hand? If there's no trade coming, and I obviously believe you, what does Steve go to? You mentioned they have the people on hand, and God knows they've had the people for almost 10 years. Are those still the people? Is that the hardest question? Of course, but you saw the bull. I mean, it's always hard. It's the Spurs, it's the Bulls, it's any team that had sustained success. It never ends well, otherwise it wouldn't end, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's always rocky. And so, you know, Barkley said it in a, in a way that was a little bit harsh, but this is what it is, right? And so how do you make the best of what it is? Mm. And I think that's what they're trying to figure out. But again, it's real hard when you look around and you're telling a four-time champion, yeah. we need more from you. 
or maybe you're not what you were. Um, players have egos too. You've got to protect the player's confidence. You can't take that from a guy like Clay Thompson. So Steve's trying to balance all that. Right. Um, you know, they had a great GM too. That guy would have had a fantastic. <laughs> so if he was there, but he's gone. He's, throwing he's Michael, not there he's anymore. Michael under the bus. <laughs> yeah. Michael under the bus. Don't like, leave me. He's great. Uh, you, you bring up the net rating, and Arjun and I talk about this all the time. That starting five, mm -hmm. that lineup that was yep. the best starting five in the league last year in terms of net rating, they're a negative 13 this year. They've only played nine games together. Richard. What's our sample size? What's our sample size? 2025. 20 to 25 games. So I still think you have a little more time okay. to get that group going. Uh, the bench has been overall, I would say, a positive, especially coming into the season where you thought you would be able to rely on your starting lineup. The bench has been solidified. To me, it's something Bob just said. It's figuring out the finishing groups. And there's been twice in the last week, once Steve Kerr pu pulled Moses Moody when he was playing well. Yep. They ended up losing that game. The other night he leaves uh, Kaminga in the game, made yeah. some spectacular plays down the stretch. They win that game. I don't want to blow this out of proportion, and I'm listening to what you gentlemen had to say, but there's only been two times in the Steve Kerr era that the Warriors have been under 500 in December. And one of the times was when Clay was out for the season. The other time was Clay was out for the season. And Steph, I think, was out with that wrist injury that he had. And so that's sort of where I think Warriors, Warriors fans, observers of the game are coming from. When you hear all of this about, should Clay Thompson continue to start? When you hear all of this about, is there a trade that needs to be made that's not on the table? How do you deal with all that? Because it feels like this is louder at this point in the season right. than it has been in years past. Yeah, look, by the way, I was just looking at Richard. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. My mind, I'm sitting here with I'm this sorry. guy. I can't. It's When we had you on the words, what was that? And then you beat the cat. I, yeah. I'm looking at this jury. That was a different guy. Yeah. yeah. We just get that. We don't have to do that right now. No, no, no. no. I just no. need to say that. I've never said that to you. Thank you. Thank no, you. it's not a compliment. <laughs> it's oh. not. I was. No, no. I, I. Okay. All right. Fine. You were injured. Yeah, I was okay, injured. That's, that's okay. why you traded. I can me. move. I can take that. Okay. okay. <laughs> all right. So listen. Um, here's what I want to ask these two guys. Mm -hmm. Coaches want to know who they're finishing with, right? Yeah. They want to go into the game knowing that. How much does it matter as a player to know? Or does it not matter? Is it just, hey, if the coach wants me to finish? Because there's probably two guys that know they're finishing right, maybe three on the Warriors. And that's, what, Steph Clay Draymond? Mm -hmm. After that, right now, does it matter if you finish three games and then the next six you don't? I well, really quickly, yeah, yeah. as a defender on this panel, I will say this, right? A person like J.J. was a floor spacer. He might be in there if you're going offense, defense, which very rarely no, is he I, in there I, on both sides. It's okay. Let me answer your question. Look, professionally, look, starting the thing is a big thing. Starting is a, there's a bit of a pride. Let, sure. Let's say a pride from starting. Yeah. The ego comes in late game, in my opinion. Your ego is like the coach is going out there. I need five defensive people that can follow our schemes. The ego comes in, hey, we're drawing up a last-second shot. Who is going to be on? On that court. So I think that's where the ego can come in. I don't care much about pride. I think we all are pride in starting. That's a part of it. But isn't but that easier when when you're winning? Yes. When, but it, like, but it, I'm, I'm, I'm just well, Warriors, completely outside looking in. Isn't and, it if, easier to ask Chris Paul, whoever the case may be, this, come off the bench, do this, and you're a closer, not a starter, if you're winning? My thing is this. They, they were 6-2 and two before Draymond had that incident, and it's happened at the beginning of that Sacramento game, cause it, so they could have very easily been 7-2 and two before he goes and gets suspended for five games. And now all of a sudden, the, the uh, Wiggins, the Clay, all of their struggles get heightened, but they lose their creator. They lose the guy that's in the middle of their offense, helping them get easy buckets. 
even if you saw late in that game where you talked about Kaminga was making plays, yep. that back cut that Clay gets is from Draymond. Some of the passes and stuff, they're such instinctual open shots. He's going to get six more points a game and four better shots just by being on the floor with Draymond. You take that off, and now you just kind of magnify those struggles. So again, when we talk about sample size, I think they need more of sample size with their stronger group. They're just behind the guns. You could you could have finished games. I mean, what is oh that? God. I mean, I, they Where, were, they wait, would have, Bob, they, Bob, did I not finish yeah, games in my career? All kinds of games. Did I not? I remember long stretches of my yeah, career. like really. You're remembering year moments. 15, JJ. Wait, 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 really, Why wait, do you let him say that real, stuff? Will, Will, Bond, Will Bond, if JJ's in, if JJ's in the game, remember we talked about Chris Middleton. It's like you're running a pick and roll. Who's JJ guarding? Come up here. Come up here. Bring him up <laughs> and pick right. and roll. When we get bring a 22 to 25 game sample size, we're going to bring this entire panel back and have this conversation again. But we need to get to break because there's someone here that is more important than everyone sitting up here. Coming up, LeBron James. He's continuing his quest for the NBA Cup here in Las Vegas, but NBA. Commissioner Adam Silver is here and will ask if LeBron can add a team here as well. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to NBA Today, presented by ESPN Bet. Welcome back to NBA Today. We have a very special guest joining us on set now, the commissioner, the architect of this in-season tournament, Adam Silver. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us here. Thank you. I uh, I didn't put on any sunscreen, so oh, well, this better be a pretty quick we're interview. We're going to do it quickly. I, I burn easily. JJ <laughs> had to put on sunglasses to make sure he had that spot before right. you. I'm, I'm a little bit more protective, but we'll try to make this quick for you, Commissioner. No. Um, I want to use my colleague Michael Wilbon's words. This in-season tournament has been so much fun. It has been really a, a bullseye. It's been such a success. Um, but from the first to the second year of the play-in even, we saw some adjustments and tweaks being made. What have you loved and what could we see maybe be adjusted as the tournament evolves? I've loved the enthusiasm from the players and the teams. By far and away, that's been the best part. You know, certainly we saw it even with the, the home crowd in Indiana. We've seen it with the teams, even saw it with LeBron. Steph early on embraced it. Coaches have embraced it. That's what I've loved. And, I, and I've always felt when people have asked me how we you know it's successful, it's great that the ratings are up. It's great that the attendance is up. But if we hadn't had that buy-in, I would have been really worried. And it came faster than we thought it would. I think what we have to go back to the drawing board on potentially, or at least think about the score differential issues for the tiebreakers. I know you know that comes from international competition. That's something that's been used in the Olympics and Basketball World Cup for a long time. It, 
you know, and so whether or not that's going to work over time, we'll see. It may be if an American audience is going to feel it's poor sportsmanship to run up the score, we have to deal with that, whether sure. or not the international players were familiar with it. I think even as, as fantastic as it is to be here in Las Vegas, the NBA generally is used to home crowds and not neutral sites. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think we're, we're fortunate that there's so much enthusiasm this first time around, but that's something we'll continue to look at as well. Do you think if a team were to come to Vegas, will this continue to move around or will like will it be like all-star or will it still continue in Vegas? So we'll see. I, you know, it was, it's been a great place to start to the same point, whether it stays in Vegas or, move around, or moves around or frankly stays in home arenas. Part of the problem with home arenas, the part that people aren't talking as much about, which has been a bit of more of a headache for the league office, is once we got past pool play, then you had the knockout round. Yeah. Those teams that didn't advance then need to, we have to complete their regular season schedule. And so they're all, everyone's cooperating, everyone's going great, realize there's something here for the greater good. But scheduling games at the last minute, it's not great for hometown fans. Sure. Um, those are some of the things we have to work through. I think logistically, if we could figure out how to keep things in home arenas where mm. people are used to that enthusiasm, that six-man advantage, that's pretty great too. So all things that we got to look at, I, you know, I don't want to take anything away from this great start. Sure. But this is something we want to make a fixture in the league. So we're, we're open to making changes. Absolutely. And while we have you here for the in-season tournament and the celebration of the success that it's been, I do want to ask you about news around the association as well. Um, Josh Giddy, he's currently being investigated by both the NBA, the league, and the Newport Beach Police uh, for an alleged improper relationship with an underage girl. I wanted to ask you where that investigation stands and why the decision was made that he could continue to play for OKC while both of those investigations were going on. I I think if you look back, I I can't think of many circumstances where we've suspended a player based on an allegation alone. And in this case, so we have an allegation and then you have a police investigation and a parallel league investigation. I'd always also add that where there is a criminal investigation, we take a back seat. And so you have an allegation, you have an ongoing criminal investigation, that impacts how the players and the player association can work with us because of course the player needs to protect his rights. So I'm not going to say never ever, but I think this is the path we've consistently followed in the path. There's, a, there's an ongoing criminal investigation, Newport Police Police opened up that investigation, notified us. We then take a back seat. And that's where things currently stand. Thank you so much, Adam. And thank you for taking a little bit of time with us here on NBA Today. You said quick. We'll make sure to get to a baseball cap next time. We appreciate you. you. Thank you very much. Still to come on NBA Today. The Pacers, the Lakers, the first ever NBA Cup. It's going to be handed out tomorrow. We're picking the winners. That's coming up next. You want to stick around and pick? It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. NBA Today is presented by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. The 
stage. It is set. Tyrese Halliburton and LeBron James, they've been two of the best players so far in the in-season tournament. And tomorrow, they will take center stage. The Pacers, the Lakers, they square off for the first ever NBA Cup. So it is time now for setting the pick, brought to you by ESPN Bet, the official sportsbook of ESPN. This is it, gentlemen. Who wins the in-season tournament. Richard, Yes. since you are our NBA Today regular, you yes. get to go first. I'm going to say this. Everyone in the world is going to bet on the Lakers. I'm going to bet on the Lakers. The Pacers <laughs> are a great story. It's not even just the Lakers. It's LeBron James. Yep. We're going to try and bet against LeBron James. Am I 100% sure they're going to win? No. But there's no chance in hell that I'm going to bet against him. So that's what it is. It's the Lakers and LeBron. I'm certainly not taking your betting advice if you're not 100% okay. on the Lakers. Okay. I'm going to actually go with the Pacers. All right. I'm going to go with the Pacers. What's the bet? Uh, what's the bet? Yeah, what's the oh, bet? Oh, between you and I? Yes. How about you wear that Duke t-shirt? There's yeah. not a uh, I think it's no. still back there. You somewhere. haven't paid me for Arizona beating Duke. No, look. The Pacers had an off-shooting <laughs> night yesterday. That. 2 o'clock local time. They're flying from the East Coast. They have been a top five three-point team. The whole season, the Lakers have been one of the worst three-point shooting teams the whole season. I think ultimately the Pacers are going to outscore the Lakers. Bob? Yeah, I was watching the game last night, like RJ. Um, <laughs> I saw that LeBron James, this is important to that, uh, I should say young man, but yes. man. Yes. He's a middle-aged man. Um, what he's doing is unbelievable. He stood out in such a – it was like watching a guy competing in an NBA Finals game. Mm -hmm. How bad he wants this to happen. When that guy wants something badly, it, it usually happens for him. I'm, I think I'm, I'm riding with, with these two on I'm not He's betting against LeBron James. That's, That's who we're picking. Who are you picking? Get the ESPN bet app and get started. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets once they've placed their first sportsbook bet with ESPN bet. That's going to do it for us here on NBA Today, live from Las Vegas. Are we going to go get that shirt back? It's still down there. Not talking about the hat. He hasn't paid me when Arizona beat them today. in Cameron Indoor. Did you see what I have to Cameron do? Cameron Indoor. We beat You're you. You're welcome back here.